um, two books this morning in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to get there, but I've got a lot of scriptures that I want to read with you, read to you and some things I want to share. The, those are going to be our texts. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. And uh, this morning, you know, the question we're going to talk last week, we talked about why am I here? You know, it's like, why am I here? But this, this morning, I'm going to talk about what is my ministry? What am I supposed to do? And so, you know, uh, we, you know, today I'm going to give you three questions. And I think these questions, these three questions can actually change your life if you answer them honestly. And, uh, you know, I, I just know this. There's a big promise. I, you know, there's a lot of things. There's promises I think I can live up to. And I believe that we have promises here in this book this morning that we can live up to. How many of you believe that? Only through Christ that we can live up to those things. And we tried in our own show. How many of you ever tried to do something on your own show? I'm going to get better. I'm going to be nicer and all these different things. And you just fall short. You know? And so this morning, I want to give you some promises that can help you. All of us have been, you know, I just believe that. How many of you that all of you have been given gifts by God? Some people go, well, I sure hadn't found mine. Must be under the tree. We threw it away. I don't know. But I believe this is that we all have gifts. We're all called to ministry. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? I want you to look around at all the people in this room this morning. Just just look around. Some of you, you don't want to look around. I mean, you know, just just look around. So why don't you look around? You know, there's there's some good looking people here. Only good looking people come to our Savior's church. And so, you know, uh, the people that are in this building, think, think about this. Think about their families. They have friends. They have co-workers. And, and all the people, you know, that they're going to meet or that they know. But I know this. I can't, I personally can't win all your friends, all your family, all your, your, your partners in crime, all those different things to the Lord. I can't do that. But my job as a pastor is to actually equip you. To do ministry. Are you hearing me? And see, not, it, uh, I'm not going to do the ministry. My job, it's not my ministry to do the ministry for you. My job is to, is to, is to equip you to minister. In Ephesians, it says like this. He gave, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or it means pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For, for building up the body of Christ. How do you know your ministry? But Pastor Bubba, you keep asking that question. How do I know my, well, tell me, how do I know my ministry? Well, let's just go. Do you know that most of the great people in uh, men and women in the Bible, when you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, okay, I'm just trying to get you in the Bible so you'll read it so you don't leave, leave here like, you know, you didn't say a lie or anything. But, but it's, they, were not, they were not in a vocational ministry. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob weren't in ministry. They were just regular guys. In fact, and Abraham was very rich. He had livestock. He had silver and gold. So we know that he wasn't out of preacher. Okay, anyway. And so, but you see, even in Isaac, in Isaac, you see, in Isaac sowed, I'm just going to read Genesis, and Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so the Philistines envied him. Isaac was a farmer. David and Amos were shepherds. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. 
Matthew was an IRS agent. It shows that God can use anyone. You see, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were fishermen. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 20, and immediately called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they had, that means they had employees, they had a business plan, they had a business. And so Peter, Andrew, James, and John were in business together. They left their business, they left their employment, they left everything behind to follow Jesus. And we look at Paul. Paul and Acts, and he found a Jew named Aquila, and a native of Pontus, uh, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for them, for, for they were tent makers by trade. The greatest apostle that ever lived made tents. And see, then you look at, Colossians, Luke, the beloved physician. Luke was a doctor. Rahab was a working girl. I mean, y'all hadn't read your Bible. You don't know anybody Rahab. If you, how many of you know who Rahab was? How many of you don't know who Rahab was? She was actually a prostitute that helped the children of Israel to get into to Jericho. Okay? Okay, she was a working girl. But we know this. That we know that she did have a shop, but obviously... She repented and she's changed and she's actually listed in the lineage of Jesus. And so, and all these people in scripture weren't pastors. They were people like you. They weren't like me. They were people like you. You see, they had a job like you have. You know, how do you find your call? Here's the first way you find your call. Listen to me. If you're taking notes, the first way you draw near to God. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Psalm says it like this. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of his works. What if you feel like what if you don't feel like drawing near? What if you've had a bad day, a bad year, a bad, just a bad life? What do you do? You go, I don't feel like drawing near. I've had a rough week, Pastor Bob. You don't know what was said to me. You don't know what I walked through. You don't know the news I got this week. But let's look on. It says, Hebrews, it says, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, I like the other hand. Anyway, you know, on, on the other hand, man, y'all, y'all slow this morning. Okay. Are y'all okay? Okay. I'll slow down. A better hope is introduced through which we can draw near to God. In other words, we can draw near because by grace, not by my own efforts, but by the efforts that Christ made for you and I, that we know that he died on the cross, that he presented himself as a living sacrifice. And what he did is that he died on that cross. And it means it doesn't matter. It's my will being crossed by the will of God. God do, do change me. And so what happens? Hebrews says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean with, uh, uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. God has washed you. He has made you clean. He's drawn you near to God. I know yesterday I was working in my yard and my son was uh, pressure washing the fence. And, you know, when he's thir- when they're 13, they graduate to work. OK. And so what happened is like I went in and I'm like, hey, babe, you want a hug? 
Now I'm full of sweat. I mean, I stink. I've been in the yard. I mean, pick, you know, digging up old roots and getting ready to plant some new plants and all this stuff. And she's like, hey, I don't want to hug you. You stink. You ever smell yourself? You don't stink. You ever notice that? But I mean, it's, 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 you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hug you if you go take a shower. I mean, you get kind of cleaned up. How many of you know that God has given us a shower and you're clean? You see, what if you are in sin and you can't get free of it? Let's look at the guy who lived naked in the cemetery. Naked boy. Mark 5, 6 says, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. What if you're grieving? What if you're going through a tough time? You know, how about if you're mad at God because he didn't show up like you thought he should? I talked to a lady this week, her and her husband, and they looked at me and they goes, do we have a chance? He's had four affairs. And she's like doing her own thing. And I looked at him and I said, to be honest with you, unless you learn to forgive, you ain't going to make it on both of your parts. I said, that's your only hope. You know, God can take people that are messed up and change them from the inside out. Just look around the room. We already did. All of us have a history. All of us got a story. Come on. How many of you got a history? I mean, we don't want to tell all our history. Huh? We don't want to show the video this morning, do we? But here's the thing. You say, what if you're going through something and God just didn't show up? And she said, I'm mad at God because for 10 years he hadn't showed up in my life. Have you ever been mad at God? I'm a, come on. How many of you have ever been mad at God? And I told her it's okay to be mad at God. And then I began to show her why she was mad at God. And that it wasn't really God's fault. It was just her fault because she was blinded. You know where? She goes, where was God the whole time? I say, he was right there, right there watching you. When you wept, he wept with you. You see, I believe this is Mary and Martha were mad at God for not coming and healing their brother. Remember that? They were fashed, like we like to say in Cajun country. Okay, what happened is John, he says, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. What if you have no hope anymore? Peter goes fishing, remember? Jesus meets him on the beach. And John, the apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer, outer garment for he had stripped for the work and threw himself into the sea. Here's another question. What if you've been away from God for a long time? You remember the prodigal? And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still far away. His father saw him. And I love this part. He felt compassion. I don't know what everybody goes through, but there's sometimes I just feel compassion for him. I, like, I, I mean, I, I can say, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're feeling, but I have compassion for you. 
Because I know it's got to be hard. It's got to be difficult. You imagine this father. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. I'm just trying to tell you, it's always good to draw near to God. That's all I'm trying to tell you this morning. In every situation, you never discover or find your calling for God unless you draw near to God. I have a son that's 21. He walked away from God when he was about 16. He went in different rehabs. He got caught. He went to jail. He did a lot of different things. And I have, I have five sons. He's the only one that's ever done. He smoked hoochie and all those other things, took pills. And I'd come in the, in the house sometimes and there'd be a bowl of cereal on the table and the cereal had been poured on the floor and he's just out. I'm like, something ain't right. And you know what? You know, all we could do was pray. And try to bless him during the time. But it got to the point I had to tell him, you have to leave. One of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life. You have to leave. You can't stay here. You're not going to have influence over this home with your little brother and your little sister anymore. And I'm not going to live like this. But you know what I did behind the scenes? God, the same God that rescued me from that lifestyle. That had a praying grandmother. My wife and I fasted. We prayed. We believed God. We trusted people. Say, hey, I'm praying for Nathan. I said, don't stop. Just don't stop. You know, and now he's right with God. He's loving God. He has his own life group with 10, 12 people in his life group every Tuesday. One of the guys that I met, he's not in our, he used to be in our church, but he moved to Lafayette. And he saw me this week and goes, hey, Pastor Bub, I just want to tell you something. You know that boy of yours? The one that plays the guitar, I go, I got a few of them play the guitar. You know, he's, he's really good. He's made friends with my, my son-in-law. And my son-in-law's needed someone just like him. He loves God. And he's drawing my son-in-law to God. My son-in-law's drawing near to God. Listen, like I used to have an old Italian friend. His name was Papa Salerno. He used to throw, he used to be in the mafia. He used to throw people down elevator shafts, went to federal prison, all that stuff. He got saved. You go get gas. You go, hey, hey, uh, you, uh, he talking broken. Hey, you, uh, you know my Jesus, you. And one of his famous lines, he go, well, God can't use me. Oh, now he, he preached King James. He said, God, God can use anybody him. If God can use an acid, an ass in the Bible, God can you use you too. Don't get mad at me. That's King James. They got a few other words in there too. I'm not going to repeat. If you draw near to God, the Bible says he will draw near to you. In your relationship, in your earthly relationship, if you just draw near to someone and get honest and get real, come on, they'll draw near to you. Sometimes you just got to humble yourself. The second thing I want you to see, you got to discover and develop your gifts. You got to discover and develop your gifts. I'm going to say it again. You got to discover and develop your gifts. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Here's 1 Corinthians. I'd like to read the whole chapter, but I broke it down to four verses. He says, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am a hand, I do not belong to the body. 
That would not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would, not, that would make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. How many of you know that all the members of your body are important? And guess what? Probably the ones you don't really see are probably the most important. Aren't you glad you got a heart? Some of you go, well, you don't know him. He ain't got no heart, Pastor Bubba. I'm sorry. We're praying you get one. But there's organs that are going on inside you don't see. And because of those, we're able to do what we're able to do. Aren't you glad that we don't have a mechanism that we got to remind our heart to beat all the time? You know? People would just be passing out in service. What happened? They forgot to tell the heart to beat. The ones, can I tell you, the ones that stand on this stage are not the most important. Can I tell you, we have some very important people this morning in OSC kids right now that you don't even see. Hello. You wouldn't be able to join the service if there weren't people in the back that you don't see that are loving on our children. They're extremely important people. I encourage you to say thank you to them this morning when you're leaving. I, I think about uh, the ones you don't see are the most important. How about if you were on Noah's Ark? You man, the boards that you did not see were probably the boards that were most important below the waterline. Right? And it's like the things that we don't see are the most important things in our lives. You know, Romans chapter 12 says, For as, as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And so, though many are one body in Christ... And individual members, one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. What does it mean? We've got to learn to discover our gifts and develop our gifts. You know, there are people that are called intercessors. They didn't start out just doing that. They just had a heart to pray. I have people that actually pray for me all the time. That are intercessors. They'll call me or ask me, hey, Pastor, but how's it going? What can I do to pray for your family? How are your children? And it's not like they're trying to get the inside scoop of what's going on with Pastor Bubba. It's just they just want to pray for me. Hello. You know, they started developing that gift. You know, it's like I have, I have a son right now that's playing baseball. And, and he's my, he's, uh, he just turned, he's 12. And, you know, he loves being a catcher. That's his position. He loves being a catcher. And he's got a good arm. But the other night, our pitchers were worn out. And all of a sudden, they go, hey, Luke, you need to go up there. And, and four people, go, he struck out. The, out of the four people he pitched again, he struck out three. And all the coach goes, we have found a new pitcher. And I'm like, oh, please, I want his arm to be healthy when he gets you older. But, you know, it's like, I said, man, we'll go play second base. Go do. And, and he loves baseball. His goal is, I want to play for LSU and go to medical school there. 
Because when we, we, we walk, we go to football games sometimes, and he goes, I said, look, one day you're going to be walking this campus. He says, yeah, I will, Dad. This is going to be my school. But he likes it, but I'm coming back to Jennings. He just loves being from Jennings. You know, we've had birthday gift, uh, parties lately, and actually he turned 13. I'm saying he's 12. We did a bar mitzvah for him last week. And I don't know if you know what bar mitzvah means. He says, I'm a man. That's what it means. I am a man. And we had a party and I had Pastor Jamie, Pastor Josh, Pastor Zach, and a bunch of our family and friends. And, and I said, and I looked at him and I gave him a charge. I go, okay, you're going to be a man. You got to develop being a man. Can you take responsibility? Yes. Do you know right from wrong? Yes. I said, I'm going to give you a charge. The Bible says, Luke, that you're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Can you do that? Yes. And he looked at me, and we rehearsed it, and he goes, I'm a man. It wasn't like proud. It was like, and then the cool thing is, I had everybody share something good about Luke. You know, from... You know, it started out with, I'm trying to think who started it with. It started out with his oldest brother, Zach, and he just shared the qualities he saw in him. Then it got to, uh, Pastor jo- uh, right before Pastor, it was Nathan, his brother that's right above him. And he said, you know, Luke, you're a leader. Because when I walk around the neighborhood, all the kids follow you, and you're a natural leader. And Pastor Josh goes, oh, you stole my line. And then, you know, all the people around there just begin to share things about him. And then we laid hands and we prayed for him. And he said, we commission you to be a man. Because, see, we think, you know, well, if you're 13, he can't take what's fine. He better know right from wrong. Come on, I mean, you know, some kids just don't have no home training. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And they should know home training. They should, you be, you know, like, well, I don't know why my kid's bad. Well, just follow the home. And see, one of that is like, I, I know that's like there's gifts there that were given to him. And there's some things that you got to learn to develop those gifts at, you know, and it's like it doesn't happen overnight. And if you don't know how to do something, I still have a gift. You don't tell me it's on tape, but I hope Zach doesn't listen to it. They gave me a gift one day, one year. And it's like this. You check your state temperature thing. You know, you plug it in. It's electronic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I still don't know how to use that sucker. I've read the instructions. I still don't. But I got to develop a skill to figure it out. Hello. And sometimes we need to read the instructions. The Bible says that this is a lamp unto our feet. That means like when I don't, when I'm walking in the dark and I mean, not the little dark, but when I'm in the dark and I don't know where to go, what to do, how to do it, how to make a decision. The Bible says this is like a lamp. It illuminates. Like I shared last, we're like the moon and he's like the sun. All we do is reflect him. And see what happens is when you discover it, you know what? It's the same way with spiritual gifts. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you? I don't know. Well, you got to learn to discover them and begin to develop them. And the last thing that I want to talk to you is do something. What do you mean? Actually, this message correlates with last week's message. And last week I talked about draw near to God, which means knowing God. And last week I talked about discover and develop your gifts. That means growing. 
And then do something means glowing. Remember I talked about knowing, growing, and glowing. It's just one message. You just get to preach it different ways and people think you're a genius. And so when you start off, you might not start out at the top. How I many you know when you go and work at a new job or you feel like something, you're not the best at what you do sometimes? You're more thumbs than you are hands, right? And what happens is, is that, you know, just because you have a calling to preach, that doesn't mean you come on stage. That means, like, man, I read a chapter this week. I'm ready to preach. Not at OSC. Not at OSC. You know, you know where Elijah started in second Kings. It says when the king of Israel said, alas, the king has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here? The whom that we may inquire of the Lord. Then one of the kings, the king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Zephath, is here. Who poured water on the hands of Elisha. Remember Elisha had a double anointing. Than what Elijah had. But where did he start? He started out being a water boy. He was a water boy. He washed the hands. He served. He had a double anointing. How about Paul? I love, where did Paul start when he got saved? When he, get, when he met Jesus, look at Acts. He says, and now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there, would, there should be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So what does this mean, Pastor Baba? Paul and Barnabas's their first ministry assignment was to carry a bag that said First National Bank of Jerusalem. It's an offering from one city to the next. They just carried the offering. That's all they did. You know what it did? It showed that they wanted to trust them and they were going to build trust in people around them. Hello. By the way, if you can't handle God's money, you definitely can't handle God's ministry. Let me just say that. If you can't handle God's money, you can't handle God's ministry. You know, I'll just tell you where I started. You know where I started? On McKinley Street. What's that? The Strip in Lafayette. When I got saved, the next day, I was on the strip telling my friends about Jesus. I didn't know any scripture, nothing. Then I went to Bible college. And then what we did is when I graduated, I worked on the streets of America. It means I literally lived. I lived in Salvation, Salvation Army places. I lived in mission homes. I lived in abandoned homes. I lived, and I just ministered to people on the street. You know where some of my first audiences were? Bus stops. You know, where else college campuses? You talk about some wild, crazy, messed up mind people. And the idea, sometimes you find the, the wildest messed up. I remember meeting a guy on Baylor University. Well, I'm sorry, Lindsay, but I did minister at Baylor. And I remember a guy in theology. 
He was from Germany. He was in theology, and he didn't even believe in God. I'm like, what in the H-E double hockey sticks are we talking about? Okay, look at me. I am going to preach a message in a couple weeks on hell. Would y'all like to hear that? I'll give Jamie the notes anyway. No, I am. I'm going to preach a message. You know, I was talking to my wife last night. You know, some people go, what in hell do you want? And the hell with it and the hell. But sometimes we don't like to talk about hell. It's one of the scariest things you want to talk about. Everybody wants to know about it. But then, you know, it's like, you know, some people. Have, I remember being around some preachers look like they were born in hell. They could preach it so hot. So anyway, that's a whole nother commercial for another time. But I can remember being a little, in fact, I had a guy call me this week and he goes, hey, Bobby, you know who this is? And I go, no, who is this? And he goes, this is, this is so-and-so. And a man, he goes, how long has it been since we've seen each other? And I said, 20 years, man. And I said, I remember the last time I ever preached at your church. That was the last time I heard from you. I must have done a great job. I never heard from you. You didn't give me, I didn't tell him this. You never gave me an offering. You didn't even take me to lunch. Listen, look at me. I wasn't, I wasn't preaching for money. I wasn't preaching for food. I was just preaching because I knew God had given me a gift. Are you hearing me? I've been, I mean, I, I, I've been in, I've, I've preached in inner cities that you just, you know, I remember living in New York and we, we wanted to do a Bible study. One person showed up after work all day and they were drunk. But I preached. I didn't start preaching here. I developed my gift. And believe me, you better be glad. And you will be glad if you would have heard me at the beginning. I remember. I remember the first time I'd have to stand before my peers. They gave me a C. They'd grade you on your ability to preach. And I'm like, man, all right. I thought it was better than that. You know? So do something. Do something. James 4 says it like this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Are y'all with me this morning? You know what that really means? That means to do this, you run and you hug. One of my favorite grandsons, he's... Okay, his, his name's Peter McCann. He's about this tall. He's got curly brown hair. I wish I had a video I could show you. But when he knows he's coming to Papa's house, that's my name. They call me Papa. When he comes to Papa's house, he does not walk to see me. He runs to find me. And then we, we hug each other. And then he looks at me. Where the cat? Because he knows we get Nerf guns and we shoot the cat. the cat. We do. Everybody knows, I mean, cats are from hell and the devil and everything else. And I never liked it. The only reason I have one is because my daughter would cry if I got rid of it. So every opportunity I can, I do try to torment it. Because I'm tormented with it being in my house. And I, I mean, you know, we'll look and one night, he, you know, like his famous line now, it's like, Papa. He goes, where's Meow? That's what he calls it, the meow. I go, 
I know. Where'd the mail go? He go, he's sleeping. Because one time I told him he was sleeping because we couldn't find him. He must be sleeping. He goes, now every time he's sleeping. But you know what I love? When he runs to me. And it's abandonment. He just likes me. Doesn't matter what I look like. Doesn't matter what I smell like. Nothing. He just loves me. Not because of the meow. Not because of the Nerf gun. But we do have a good time because he wants to hang with me. He just does. He likes hanging out with Papa. And I like it when he hangs out with me. And that's what it means to draw near to God. That I just run to him. And I hug him. And he hugs me back. You see, we're going to pray. We're going to pray here in a minute. Like we always do. But if you're here today and you need God, look at me. You need to run to him this morning. You just need to run to him. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he will draw near. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you right now? I have a burden on my heart for people who, who need to come back to God. They aren't where they really are. Like I shared at the beginning, how those people, they weren't experts. They were everyone at the beginning of the message I shared with you. They got discouraged. They got down. Peter, you know, he left. I'm going back to fishing, you know, and all of a sudden Jesus meets him on the beach and John sees him. He goes, That's the Lord. What did Peter do? He stripped down and dove in the water like a fool. Because he just wanted the Lord. And he had just blown it. He had forsaken God. He had denied him. He said, I'm I'm running. If you need to come back to God, I want to pray for you. If you have a need, if it's a health need, if you have finances, you just need to come back to God. I just want you to run to him this morning. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you ran for anything? Hmm? Think about it. The God of heaven is here right now this morning. And it's not symbolic that you have to run, but it's that your heart should be going, I want God. I want God. Listen, if you want to know what your ministry is, you got to draw near to God. You got to let him develop you and you got to do something. Hello. You just got to do something. You see, I mean, because what happens is if you're just standing and doing nothing and being idle, guess what? Look at me. This, you know, the you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting different results. When I looked at that couple this week and I said, you want God, you want change in your life. You got to you got to have forgiveness. And she looks at me, she goes, what is forgiveness? It's like I said, well, it's when you have someone that has violated you in your space. He's done something to hurt you or harm you. And you hold on to that and you keep living it over and over again. And then you come to the point and say, I forgive you. That doesn't mean you feel it. Come on. That means you release them from having control over you anymore. Having that pain control you. 
You know, people build their whole lives trying to guard themselves from more pain. It's kind of like people that have a cut. And it's like they get close enough in that wound that you never allowed God to heal. They just rub up against it and it reminds you, goes, I, I'm backing off of this. When the reality is we got to come to that point and say, I forgive them. I just forgive them. And I said, it's something about the power of forgiveness. If Jesus forgave you and me, look at me. Why are you holding? Are you the Lord? Why are you holding something back? Why? Because that's the power of the gospel. It's good news. It's a spirit of poverty. You know what a spirit of poverty is? You hold something so tight. You won't let your hand go. And you just shrivel up. I know churches like that. I know people like that. Pride, prejudice, and poverty. That's probably every small southern town. That's got a railroad track. Hello. And all of a sudden, when you allow the spirit of poverty to leave you, you just go, God, I'm not holding on to it anymore. I'm releasing it. I'm giving it to you. The Bible says to cast your cares on him because he what? He cares for you. In other words, get rid of that stuff. Just get rid of the stuff that's held you back. It's the ball and chain and it's not your wife. It's all those things we hold on to. If you have a need, you need God. You need to come back to Jesus and have that authentic relationship. That means where you're just real with him. You're honest. And you just go, God.